Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Cisco Gold Royalties Q2 2021 results conference call. After the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Please note that today's conference is being recorded. Today, August 10th, 2021 at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Today on the call, we have Mr. Sandeep Singh, President and Chief Executive Officer and Mr. Frédéric Cruel, Chief Financial Officer and Vice President Finance. I would now like to turn the meeting over to our host for today's call, Mr. Sandy Singh. Bonjour, Mesdames et Messieurs, et bienvenue à la telle conférence des résultats du deuxième trimestre de l'année 2021 de redevance horrifère au Cisco Limité. Après la présentation, nous procéderons à une séance de questions et réponses. Si vous désirez poser une question, veuillez appuyer sur la touche étoile suivie du numéro 1. Veuillez prendre note que cet appel est enregistré aujourd'hui le 10 août 2021 à 6h de l'Est. Nous avons sur l'appel d'aujourd'hui M. Sandeep Singh, président et chef de la direction, et M. Frédéric Cruel, chef de la direction financière et vice-président finance. J'aimerais maintenant céder la parole à votre hôte, M. Sandeep Singh. Great. Thanks very much, operator, and thanks to everyone for joining us on our Q2 conference call. Uh, this is Sandy Singh speaking. Please note uh, that I'm uh, working off a uh, an IR deck that's on our website, uh, so you can pick it up under the presentation section. Uh, and also, please note that I'll be making forward-looking statements, or we will be making forward-looking statements today, so please be mindful of that. Um, switching over to slide three, entitled Q2 Highlights, First and foremost, a very strong quarter for us. Um, another in a row, frankly, the assets continue to perform exceptionally well, the, perform, uh, the producing assets, uh, and we look forward to a strong uh, second half of the year as well as we do not expect that, uh, that theme to, to change for us. Uh, in fact, uh, hopefully the opposite. So our core assets continue to strengthen. So really good quarter. Very happy with it. We earned, as you all know, just over 20,000 ounces uh, of GEOs, gold equivalent ounces for the quarter. Uh, that sets us up really nicely at just above 40,000 GEOs for the half year. Uh, you'll all know that our guidance for the year uh, remains unchanged for the time being at 78 to 82,000 ounces. So striving right at the midpoint for the time being. And uh, as you've heard me say, most of you, I'm sure, we do expect a strong second half as we have uh, at least one core asset ramping up, which is the Eagle Mine I'll talk about later, uh, and other small, uh, at least one other small asset that will kick into production and, and start to contribute as well. So uh, well set up in the first half of the year, looking forward to the second. Um, also in Q2, uh, record revenues and cash flows from the royalty streaming business. So again, good ounce deliveries coming uh, alongside uh, strong commodity prices. We uh, had the same type of cash margin that you expect from us, so 94%, 97% to exclude the Bernard ounces, uh, so uh, akin to last quarter, and a consolidated uh, 
net loss, uh, obviously $15 million. Uh, some of you may have listened to the uh, Cisco Development Conference call just preceding ours, but that impairment has to do with uh, Nanzel Edge Phase 2, which is a satellite um, project at the uh, the Caribou site, and I'll get into that asset a little bit later, but important to note um, that really that's a bit of a secondary cleanup exercise of some old waste material, a little bit of added benefits from a training perspective, uh, and some cash flow expected, but it's not the, uh, it's not the main, uh, the main meal there. Uh, adjusted earnings for the royalty and streaming business of $24 million, almost, uh, Canadian or 14 cents a share. Uh, we paid our dividend, uh, for last quarter of 5 cents a share. Importantly, we've, uh, bumped it up a little bit, uh, by 10% going forward to 5.5 cents a quarter or 22 cents annualized. Uh, for the next time around. Um, and I think worth pointing out that despite pretty significant volatility, especially in the last several trading sessions, uh, the strength of our business, the high margin nature of our business, and our confidence in it uh, is what allows us to increase an already peer-leading dividend. Uh, we also published our inaugural ESG report in the quarter. We announced a commitment to, to join the UN Global Compact. So again, uh, advancing our initiatives to be a leader in the ESG space. We've always done things in that regard. If you look at our asset base, you'll know that, it, it, you know, you, you can see that it was probably, you know, in some ways built with ESG in mind, which it was, even though it didn't used to be called ESG, uh, and we're catching up on the disclosure side of things. Uh, and then on the right-hand side here, also worth pointing out that we uh, updated and expanded our uh, revolving credit facility, so we thank our, our lending partners for their continued support. On that front, we're able to add $150 million to that credit facility. The drawn amounts, important to point out, also have not changed. Just increased the facility, reduced the overall cost of it, uh, so the pricing grid and portions of the grid has come down uh, and given ourselves uh, greater flexibility going forward. So. Uh, happy to get that behind us as well. So that's just a quick snapshot. Again, moving to slide four, um, you know, just just one more time on the dividend, I guess. Uh, important to note that this company has been paying a dividend since its IPO, since day one, essentially. We've returned uh, significant capital to shareholders over the, the, those, those seven, eight years now. Um, with uh, By the end of this year, if the dividend remains at current levels, it would be $184 million. Uh, in dividends uh, alone to shareholders by, by way of return of capital. Uh, it had been set up at $0.05 cents a share for some time, but obviously with the gold price or commodity price move, uh, our upcoming growth in geos, uh, we felt it was a good time, even with that volatility I mentioned, to, uh, to increase uh, a little bit and then uh, watch as things go going forward. On slide five here, I'll just update you on a, a few small transactions for us uh, that you would have already seen, but maybe some of them we haven't talked about. Overall, I've, I think it's worth mentioning that we've stayed true to what you've been hearing from us, which has been discipline. Uh, late, you know, as of early last year, I think we saw a uh, market that, that, you know, we didn't particularly like, you know, certainly felt like a bit of a seller's market. Um, the combination of asset quality and prices being paid did not make sense to us. Uh, we've still been able to find good value for real assets on some of these smaller transactions. And, and importantly, going forward, I think that dynamic is starting to improve, frankly. Uh, you know, gold price volatility up and down will do that for you. Uh, last year is all pretty much straight up for the first half of the year. 
um, and we're starting to see some some better opportunities that fit our pipeline that we like. So we'll continue to be active uh, looking for those. In terms of things that we have uh, closed on, uh, you know, in April was the Spring Valley acquisition, which we quite liked. That was an increase mainly on the Spring Valley asset in Nevada, going from a half a percent NSR that we already had to between two and a half and three percent multi-million ounce deposit owned in, in private equity hands. But we think that's one of the better uh you know, acquisition opportunities in the sector uh, and uh, happy to have uh, a significant royalty on a significant uh, good grade resource in Nevada. Uh, we also, in April, converted our Peral offtake into an equivalent stream, uh, so a bit of a cleanup transaction on that front to help our, our accounting uh, going forward uh, and, you know, good and positive for both us and uh, the operator there. And then on slide six, the, the most recent one, which we haven't had a chance to talk about, would be the acquisition of an NSR on the Totec Zinio project. Excuse me, it's still a mouthful. We call it TZ, uh, as I suspect most people will. We acquired a 2.75% royalty there for $10 million U.S., but important to note that there is a buyback there with proceeds going to previous operators. So we do expect at the end of the day, that will get exercised. So what we've been, what we've paid for is a 0.75% NSR uh, for $10 million US, a significant asset in Brazil. And so, you know, obviously most people know it. It's been non-core to El Dorado uh, almost since they bought it as their uh, attention, you know, drifted elsewhere within their portfolio almost uh, immediately post-purchase. Uh, but a real asset, uh, 2 million ounces in M&I, uh, 1.8 million ounces of, of reserves at a good grade. It's permitted and construction ready, importantly, um, uh, in, in Paris, state of Brazil, where there's a long legacy of, of mining. And so what was lacking there, what we saw was a, a, a good asset that deserved building. What was lacking was the operator willing to do it. So we're quite happy to see that just yesterday, uh, G Mining Ventures has acquired the asset or is in the process of acquiring the asset from El Dorado. Uh, and they'll be working on a feasibility within the next six months, an updated feasibility. Uh, they're uh, a team of builders. It's a, it's a, it's a great, credible team, well-backed. Uh, we know them well, obviously, uh, seen, seen some of their builds, and we expect them to be uh, fast-tracking this asset to production. So a nice, uh, a nice one to add to the portfolio. Moving to slide seven, uh, just graphically, the production by, by asset for us. Again, as I said, the asset base, you know, performing quite well. We had a strong quarter from Canadian Malarctic. Um, that had to do with, uh, increased tonnage, both in- increased tonnage and higher grades that were expected from as, as more ounces come from the Barnett pit. That was a nice, uh, nice increase. Uh, I talked about how we expect, uh, H2 to be stronger for Eagle given their seasonal, uh, effects, uh, of the mine there as well as their ongoing ramp up. Uh, it was a good quarter from a CB perspective, primarily on grade, as they still have some catch-up to do on, on tonnage, but they had a really nice quarter on grade. I believe it was just a tick above 13 grams, um, and we'll talk a little bit about that mine as well later in terms of uh, some exploration success or potential success that they're seeing in front of them. And overall, as I said, uh, you know, pretty productive quarter on all our asset base. Switching to slide eight uh, for just a little bit more on Canadian Malarctic. <clears throat> Excuse me, I said, I mentioned it was a strong tennis quarter. It was also a good quarter from grade perspective. Uh, so the open pit continues to do what it does. It, it just makes an awful lot of money for Nico and Yamada. Uh, they're on track for their 700,000 ounces of guidance this year. 
it's a hugely important asset for both operators, and and our focus obviously remains on the ounces it delivers to us. But look, we continue to look forward as to what the asset is becoming, and continuing to evolve into the infield drilling on the underground um, has returned uh, you know very good results, as released by Nico and Yamana. Uh, a lot of that focus is obviously on East Goldie. We have a five percent royalty there. That's where seventy percent of the mine plan is. So that work was. Not unexpected, but but obviously positive, which you, you want to see that uh, continuing to, to be the case. Um, and then uh, in terms of upside, the eastern extension that deposit uh, is getting a fair bit of attention as well. Uh, you'll recall at one point there was one hole, the step-out hole, uh, you know, 4680 in the bottom right, which was a 1,000 meters away. That had a really nice interval of, of grade and, and, and width. It was followed up on by another which hit a uh, similar type of mineralization uh, where they expected it. Uh, but importantly, also kind of had this offset zone uh, 400 meters over. Uh, and you see it's tough to follow, but you see that, uh, uh, you know, uh, on the bottom left-hand side of the, the picture as well. So early days um, in terms of, of trying to turn that into uh, ounces, obviously, and, and, and mineable ounces, but certainly hugely uh, important, I think, and, and, and the upside and the potential there is certainly hugely important. So we expect them to continue to be active on that front. They've got a, a big drill program this year, um, and we expect continued infill results and uh, and potential upside results uh, from that program as well. On to slide nine, just quickly on a couple other core assets. We haven't touched on all of them here. Certainly we're happy to talk about all of them, but we wanted to kind of give you the the, uh, the core changes, if you will, or, or updates uh, and, and catalysts from a mantle's perspective. That expansion is still going quite well uh, in Chile. Uh, you would have seen that we've bumped it out, obviously, with direction from the operator from that expansion being tied in at the very end of this year to Q1, so a pretty nominal uh, punt into 2022, um, and had to do with uh, – COVID issues at uh, one of their main contractors. So again, if uh, if those issues, which everyone is dealing with, frankly, uh, means the, the, you know you're, you're adding a month or two to the, the program, that I think at the end of the day is pretty trivial. We're quite happy with uh, the way things are going at that expansion. And then uh, from a uh, slight increase perspective, you would have heard us say previously that we we're expecting five years of 1.2 million ounces of silver. Annually for the first five years following expansion, uh, we bumped that up to 1.3 million ounces annually of silver based on guidance from the operator. <clears throat> on the Eagle side, uh, you know, H1 saw just, just shy of 60,000 ounces produced by, by Eagle. They've got a, a guidance of 180 to 200, so, uh, work to do in the second half, but that's, that's just the nature of the Eagle mine where they don't stack ore in the coldest three months of the year plus the ongoing ramp-up. So uh, we look forward to those ounces. We thought we might get a little bit of an uplift in Q2, but I think we'll see that uplift in Q3 and certainly in Q4. So we expect a stronger second half there. We also uh, look forward to them continuing to, uh, now that the, the mine is built and it's in the process of ramping up, start to put more and more focus on the exploration side of what is a very large uh, and seemingly prospective land package, as well as their previously announced plans to, once they are ramped up, try to take it even further to 250,000 ounces. On slide 10, um, just really quickly on, on two small but, but nice contributors that we have coming our way in Mexico. 
the Santana mine of Mineral Alamos, where we have a 3% NSR, uh, should be producing first gold imminently from their heat bleach asset um, and, and putting out more disclosure on what that asset looks like for the, the longer term. So we expect that, that to be a nice catalyst, uh, catalyst for us uh, the second half of this year. And then into the beginning of next year, First Majestic's Ermitano uh, deposit is expected to come into production. They're working on some test mining now, updating resources, and, and working towards a pre-feasibility study uh, second half of this year. Uh, they're also active on the exploration side. So those are uh, not huge, but certainly nice contributors uh, just starting out uh, in terms of uh, significant mine life there. On to slide 11, um, focusing on the ODEV assets. <clears throat> so first and foremost, the Caribou Camp. Um, again, some of you may have heard the, uh, the, the update at 9 o'clock. There's a, an expected 200,000 meters to be drilled in Caribou this year. They've done uh, half of that to date. Um, so have been catching up, actually. It was a bit slower the start of the year, again, there were COVID delays. You can't ignore them uh, when you need to kind of quarantine folks here and there. Uh, at times, uh, the freshets of the spring thaw also deterred them a little bit as the ground was, was softer than expected. They went from 10 rigs down to four. Now they're back up to 10 rigs. So catching up, uh, and you would have seen, or maybe just before that, uh, you know, at times, the delays on assay labs were, were, were quite ridiculous. I think at the peak, it got to three or four months waiting for assays, they're now down back to regular levels. So you've seen a catch-up of expiration news coming up uh, from ODEV. I think they've been on a steady clip uh, of a, an expiration update every two, at most three weeks, and we expect that uh, intensity to continue and lead into a new resource uh, later this year. Um, so that delay has pushed that resource uh, a little bit later into the second half than we first expected, and as a consequence, pushed out the feasibility into the first quarter uh, or more uh, cautiously the first half of next year. Important to point out that the permitting timeline remains unchanged. The final EA was submitted in late July. That's the document that drives permitting timeline, so that's still uh, anticipated the middle of, uh, of next year. Uh, again, bouncing around a little bit, but that infill drilling is going well. It's uh, connecting the dots as was expected. It's also pushing the resource potential down at depth, uh, connecting some zones that we expected would be connected. So uh, all that's going well, and the underground bulk sample permit at Cow Mountain is also a good achievement on the, by the team. Beneficial to the timeline to be able to get underground early, uh, allows some, some testing as well of road headers and ore sorting. So uh, making good progress technically, uh, and, and moving forward, I did say I'd, I'd come back to the, the Bonanza Ledge side of things. Uh, Worth remembering that that's a different beast. It's a satellite deposit, which is just permitted for small-scale mining, has underground infrastructure, so it's somewhere you can get into, but it's not the, uh, the main deposit. You know, for instance, it's in a fault, you know, it's close to surface. It's got poor condi ground conditions in a fault zone. So it's not where you'd want to mine, but it's where they can mine today. It allows uh, ODEF to train the staff, uh, restart the mill. They've, uh, they've gone through some upgrades there that are useful for both Bonanza Ledge and obviously Caribou. And most importantly, it allows the remediation of a historical tag pile that's on surface from previous open pit mining. Uh, and that material will be used as underground backfill once the voids have been uh, created to put it in. So uh, non-cash impairment there because things have costed a little bit more than was expected. 
Uh, also, because some ounces have been left off the table, uh, that production has been pushed back by about six months, the, but the caribou production is still expected to start at the same time. So the period in between where you can mine this bananzalage uh, portion has been reduced. So uh, happy with the progress that's being made uh, at caribou on the main assets and, uh, and certainly happy with the technical achievements there. And then on the San Antonio side, uh, as well, the team's been quite active there. Uh, ODEV will be drilling 45,000 meters in 2021. Uh, I think you guys know Sean likes to drill, so he's a bit behind on, on that one, but they're, they're looking to catch up. Um, they've got four rigs turning there. Uh, and if I had to guess, I'd assume there'd be an update, uh, in August, September. So far, the confirmation work that was, uh, that was planned to, uh, convert inferred resources to higher categories and, uh, and hopefully fill some gaps is going well is our understanding. So we look forward to that update as well. And then in terms of uh, two catalysts there, the existing stockpile that's on surface, uh, is expected to be under leach by the end of the year. Uh, and then more importantly, it's a, a, a nice, you know, it's nice to do because it's sitting on surface. Uh, but more importantly, the bigger permit for the Sapuchi open pit Deep leach uh, is also expected, expected, excuse me, by the end of this year with construction starting in Q1. So that hopefully is a 2022 production event for us. Uh, as many of you know, the crushing plant has already been purchased. Uh, components of it, some of them are already at site. The rest are on their way. Uh, so they're also making good progress there. At windfall, I'm on slide 12. Uh, you know, again, some of you have been following what I think are exceptional uh, exploration results that continue both from an infill and an ex expansion perspective at windfall. Uh, we highlight a couple of them here, over 2,000 grams over 2.5 meters, 2.2 uh, meters over 400 grams. Uh, I think in the last press release, there might have been six results of over 2 meters and over 200 grams, so pretty stunning exploration results. The upside there, the infill on the upside there continues to prove out better than expected, uh, including a new discovery a kilometer away uh, that needs follow-up work. But uh, I think uh, the, the team there is, is doing an exceptional job advancing the asset into development phases with a, uh, a feasibility expected in the first half of next year, uh, production uh, in 2024 type time frame, but also continuing to make the asset uh, bigger and, and providing some upside there. Uh, and then at Upper Beaver, which is a Nemico asset where we have a 2% NSR, uh, they're working on a fair bit of, of drilling of their own conversion and then uh, potential expansion. Uh, the grades are coming in quite nicely, both for, both for gold, but in particular the copper grade is seemingly coming along quite nicely. Uh, some of the new results, we, we highlight one of them there. Uh, and that should have a significant impact on the size and potentially the grade. Uh, of the resource, uh, I've heard talk about a potential other structure, structure at depth. Uh, so all good news, which will be incorporated in a study uh, in 2022 and hopefully prove uh, to be the uh, construction or the decision point. Again, if you listen to some of the the commentary coming out of, uh, you know, uh, Ignico, uh, they're calling it a mine today and, and permitting is what will drive the timeline there. Uh, last I heard from them, guiding to production, and this is notionally guiding, I should say, um, to around 2027. Just quickly, maybe on, on some assets that we haven't put in the deck uh, before I pass it on to Fred to give you a little bit more color on the quarter. Um, again, keeping with that, that theme of our assets working for us, 
Uh, at CV, I, I touched on it earlier, it was a record uh, quarter in Q2 in terms of production driven off that higher grade. Uh, they also encountered some unexpected high grade uh, at the edge of the resource, which they were going to be following up on next year. That still was close for 15 grams. Island put out their best hole ever. It was 20 meters of 70-some-odd grams per ton outside of the existing resource and onto our 2% royalty ground. They're drilling 25 million. Uh, they've got a 25 million aspiration budget this year, so they're, they're hitting the asset hard and are well on their way towards their expansion to 2,000 tons per day, uh, permitting currently the, the shaft expansion, but, but, but progressing well. And on Lamac, uh, they continue to uh, progress at El Dorado with the underground ramp on track. That'll help their mine overall in terms of reducing costs, but it also provides better access to drill some of the other um, resources down there. So, Overall, good news across the portfolio, a really good quarter, and I'll let uh, Fred, on slide, starting on slide 13, walk you through some of the uh, particulars of it. Thank you, Sandeep. Uh, bonjour, merci d'être avec nous ce matin. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. First, I would like to remind everyone that as we consolidate the balance sheet, P&L, and cash flows of a Cisco development, we are providing additional segment information in our financial statements and the end press release, where we split our results from our royalties and streams business and results from a Cisco development. Um, as mentioned by Sandeep, another great quarter for Cisco in Q2 with strong deliveries of gold and silver, which led to record revenues, cash margins, and operating cash flows from the royalties and streams business. Our operating cash margin on our, our royalties and streams reached 94% or 97% if we exclude the Renard Diamond stream. On page 13 of uh, the presentation, we recorded record revenues from royalties and streams of 49.9 million compared to 28.7 million in Q2 of 2020, which was, of course, uh, highly impacted by the COVID pandemic at the time. Cash flows from operating activities were 30.9 million on a consolidated basis for the royalties and streams segment alone. Cash flows from operations reached 37.3 million compared to 16.8 million in Q2 of last year. If we go on page 14, uh, we present a summary of our earnings and adjusted earnings. The consolidated net loss to a Cisco shareholders was 14.8 million or 9 cents per share in Q2 of this year, compared to net earnings of 13 million in 2020 or 8 cents per share. The consolidated loss in 2021 was due to impairment charges recorded by a Cisco development of 40.5 million, including 36 million on the Balenza Ledge 2 project. On a consolidated basis, adjusted earnings were 20.2 million or 12 cents per share, comprised of adjusted earnings of 23.9 million or 14 cents per share for the royalties and streams segment, and an adjusted loss of 3.7 million from a Cisco development or 2 cents per share. On page 15, we have a summary of our quarterly results with additional details for the royalties and streams segment, including revenues of 57.2 million compared to 41 million in 2020, and gross profit of 35.7 million compared to 19 million last year. On page 16, we present a breakdown of our cash margin for Q2. 
the cash margin on our royalties reached 36.3 million and the cash margin on our streams amounted to 10.6 million. Our total cash margin reached a record 47.2 million in Q2 of this year and for the first half of 2021, we generated cash flows of uh, close to 94 million. And finally, on page uh, 17, you'll find a summary of our financial position. Our consolidated cash balance was 255 million at the end of Q2, including 110 million for Cisco Gold Royalties and 145 million for Cisco Development. Cisco Gold Royalties held investments uh, having a value of 188 million in addition to our investment in Cisco Development valued at the end of June at over $700 million. Our debt was stable at 400 million with over 530 million available under the credit facility, which was recently increased and extended. I will now turn the call back to Cindy for closing remarks and questions. Thanks a lot, Fred. Um, so look again, at the risk of repeating myself, another very good quarter, a consistent quarter from um, you know, a diversified asset base that is really performing well. Um, and frankly, uh, you know, our growth assets are coming along, progressing well. I think they're still largely discounted or heavily discounted, uh, but set us up well for the coming years. So with that, happy to uh, operator, uh, see if there are any questions. Thank you. As a reminder to ask the question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Encore une fois pour poser une question, appuyez sur l'étoile suivi par le numéro 1. Your first question will come from Josh Wolfson from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Thanks. Good morning. Um, first question I had was on Mantos. Um, you know, the construction progress, at least on a percentage completion basis, seems to be tracking up still fairly, uh, you know, fairly significantly, 92% you mentioned this quarter. So it would, it would appear to be, uh, you know, completed at least from a construction basis in the third quarter. You know, I'm wondering what the difference is between construction completion and when that ramp up actually happens. And then uh, should we expect uh, maybe a weaker third or fourth or first quarter, perhaps, uh, as that commissioning process starts? Yeah, no, it's a good good question, Josh, and, and good morning. I think uh, you're right. I think the, the difference is kind of mechanical uh, construction completion, if you will. Um, you know, that's the 92% level. Uh, when we talk about timelines for us, uh, that's not what we're focused on. We factor in the lag. Uh, that they've relayed to us in terms of when, you know, ounces are supposed to start coming out uh, or tons are supposed to start coming out more so. So I would hope that um, in uh, in Q1 we can start to see some increase in production, but maybe to be more um, uh, conservative, you know, hope, hope for a Q2 that impacts that, uh, those ounces uh, ramping up. Either way, I think it's, for us, it's, it's right around the corner and I would, I would commend them for the fact that, you know, COVID anywhere has not been easy. COVID in Chile has certainly not been easy. Uh, so to keep things on track as well as they have, I think is positive for us. Okay. And then sh should we expect to see, 
lower deliveries in the second half of the year from from that asset. You know, I, I know obviously, you know, first half of the year, um, you know, even without let's say potentially a small contribution from San Antonio, Santana, and, and the upside from Eagle, you know, you're tracking towards the higher end of guidance. So should we should we expect the company to be more within guidance if if in fact Mantos is a bit lower? Look, I think Mentos will, I mean, there's always variability, mind by mind, again, especially when you're the byproduct as opposed to the, the you know, the, the main commodity. But I think overall, we've been exceptionally happy with Mentos uh, in the first half of the year. We don't necessarily see any reason uh, in the mind plan why that should change uh, in the second half of the year. Um, so, uh, so no, I think our assets, I mean, barring, you know, that normal variability that I talked to you about. So no, I think we're we're happy with uh, with that core asset. It's doing exceptionally well for us, and uh, our hope is uh, with eagle ounces coming in, maybe we can start tracking a little bit better than than the midpoint, frankly. Good. Okay. Um, another question on the credit line increase. Um, you know, when the convertible with um, IQ was due uh, earlier this year, you guys drew down on the credit line, and, and there's another convert that's due next year. Should we be thinking about this credit line used, um, or, or maybe obviously there's there's flexibility here, but but uh, potential use uh, towards repayment of that facility, or is this you know potentially for transactions that you see on the horizon materializing? Look, I think it, it can be a bit of everything. Um, look, our hope is that that uh, convert is in the money uh, come the end of next year. We still have a year and a half, and you know, volatility has worked against us in the last few trading sessions. It can work for us in the future, and we certainly think there's a lot of value in the asset base to unlock uh, above and beyond that. But we we don't plan that way clearly. So um, yeah, that's certainly a fallback in our minds. It's, it's certainly a fallback for the convert at the end of the end of next year. Uh, if that happened, that would just be a shifting of debt from, from one place to another at a lower cost of capital. We'd pay a 4% coupon on those converts. Um, you know, currently our, our, our credit facility, uh, is in the two to two and a half percent range. So that's, uh, certainly an option that we've kind of crafted for ourselves. A lot will depend on what happens between now and then, Josh. We've got, you know, cash, uh, we've got cash flow. We've got significant investments. Um, and uh, and then we'll see what we choose to do on the growth side, but that's that's certainly something we'll continue to kind of manage depending on on uh, how we uh, how we go in the next year and a half. But yes, absolutely, it can provide a fallback uh, for that convert. And that was one of the, that was uh, part of the thinking there. Great. And then last question, um, I, I wasn't able to dial in for the ODEP call. Um, you know, is there any more information on the the timing uh, difference for the feasibility study now at Caribou? Yeah, yeah sorry, I think I, I I hope I alluded to it earlier, but uh, I'll, I'll do it again. Um, so timelines, I, I think I mentioned that the resource update uh, into a kind of a reserve is going to be a bit delayed. They were behind on drilling, they're now catching up, and, and more importantly, the assays are catching up. Obviously, you don't want to be drilling blind all the time. You'd like to be uh, benefiting from the uh, the results that you've already spent money on. So uh, working towards the resource update the second half of this year, that then pushes the feasibility uh, into H1 next year. Conservatively, hopefully it can be Q1, and, and I think that's what Sean said this morning as well. Um, so feasibility uh, into early next year, but the permitting timeline remains unchanged. Uh, as the EA, the final EA was submitted in very late July, 
and and that's really what's driving the uh, the permitting timeframe at this point, not the feasibility. Great. Those are my questions. Thank you. No problem. Your next question comes from Ralph Perfidi from 8 Capital. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Uh, good morning, uh, Sandeep. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, just wondering if you've had some preliminary discussions or, or sort of the relationship with, with G-Mining Ventures as it relates to TZ, and what are sort of the next steps from them beyond uh, the updated feasibility study? Uh, and any thoughts on, you know, when this could come into cash flow positive, you know, on my numbers, it's kind of one of the more robust IRRs in the portfolio as it pertains to, you know, discounting it at the moment of uh, commercial production. But just wondering if you can give me more color on uh, actually turning that into cash flow. Yeah, look, I'm not sure I, I, I can. I, I certainly can't give you their view because we've, we've not talked about it. Uh, obviously, there aren't too many construction groups that are credible uh, in Canada, but, but certainly not in Quebec. So we, you know, Group, we know them well. The group knows them well. Um, you know, and we, we saw the formation of G-Mining uh, Ventures, that is, uh, earlier this year, I guess it was. So been looking for them to, to see what they would do next. Very happy it coincides with an asset that we picked up a royalty on. I think what I'd say is what we saw there was an asset worth building. Didn't know exactly, you know, uh, where, when, and how. Uh, obviously, it was non Florida Eldorado for reasons. Uh, they've got other things they can do. Uh, that they're focused on, and that's that's fair enough. But it was an asset worth building, um, and uh, and that's what we saw. And we're happy a group like G Mining is taking it over. Uh, we know them to be fantastic builders, uh, not the over promotional type. They just get down to the business, and that will serve us well on this asset if they can put their head down with a permitted construction ready asset. They've got backing from Sprott uh, and other supportive shareholders, so they're certainly capable of financing it. Uh, and we do expect them to fast track that asset. Um, so, looking forward to, frankly, they're they're hearing the update uh, for myself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it was a small transaction, but uh, it's interesting to see Osisco Gold Royalties, you know, do something in the carbon streaming space. Um, and just wondering, when when you looked at that opportunity and the body of work that you've done, is that are you taking the approach that it's sort of you know, complementary to the ESG strategy, or, or do you think, from an say an IRR perspective, you know, carbon streaming can can actually compete with precious metal streams for investment dollars? It, it's both, frankly. You know, we we clearly are focused on doing things from the ESG perspective. When we looked at that, uh, and we started with a, a small investment, still a small investment, um, but we bought ourselves uh, the right to participate in 20% of any other transactions. So for us, it was. Mm -hmm. A front row seat to a new business line is streaming, so it fits with ours. We understand it well. Obviously, the assets are different, uh, so we needed. Uh, we're happy to rely on that team to to vet those opportunities. We're kind of learning uh, sidecar with them as they go. Um, but you know, you know, when our in our portfolio, uh, Ralph, you know, we can't reduce our carbon footprint. We're reliant on our partners to do that for us. Uh, and certainly, we've chosen some phenomenal partners in great places, good assets that are doing just that. So for us, this was something proactive we could do uh, to be part of that uh, that net zero push. So we think it makes a ton of sense. But it's also financially driven. You know, the IRRs that we're seeing. Uh, that can come out of that business, you know, our mid-teens kind of 15% type IRR deals are are possible. I don't think we're seeing a lot of those in the gold space right now. Um, so I think there's there's potential there, and frankly, uh, that's with 
a flat view on carbon pricing, which I think is the easiest thing to say that don't know what's happening uh, in the future, but I certainly expect the cost of emitting carbon to increase and hence uh, the price of these carbon credits to, to grow as well, and that, that could end up being exponential, frankly. Uh, so uh, small dollars, uh, front row seats, happy with the investment, uh, liking the deals they're doing so far, will likely take our, our 20% piece. Um, of them, we have the time to, to decide on that, but, uh, but liking what they're doing, and uh, it's both financially driven and, and ESG driven. You know, if we do one or two of these, deploy a little bit of capital, based on our small footprint already, will be uh, net zero, not in 2040 or 2050, but but almost immediately. And and not, I don't just mean the office space; I mean our indirect exposure of our partners. So that's how we're how we're looking at it. Excellent answers. Thanks, Andy. Yep. No problem. Thanks, Ralph. Your next question comes from Cosmos2 from CIDC. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thanks, uh, Sandeep, uh, Fred, and team. Um, maybe my first question is on a royalty that uh, you did not mention, um, Falco. Um, I think uh, there's been recent, you know, positive development of Falco Resources. Um, they're raising money, $10 million, clearly not enough for the entire CapEx. But uh, I also see that uh, OR is advancing uh, $10 million as well on the Silver Stream. So, um you know, maybe can you talk about how this kind of fits in to um, the growth profile uh, of your portfolio and, um, you know, maybe talk about uh, the recent uh, agreement in principle at Glencore and also I think they're expecting some kind of OLIA by Q3 as well. Cindy. Yeah, no, that's a great question, Cosmos, and I, I hear you've got me in trouble. I, I, I should have talked about Falco. I, I run the risk of getting beaten <laughs> up by Luke. Um, so, and, and there was good progress made there, frankly, so I, I'm, I'm remiss that I didn't bring it up. So um, I think first and foremost, the um, the term sheet that they got into on the OLIA, the acronym, the, the operating license, as you point out, was a big catalyst, a, a significant catalyst, something that we've been waiting for. For quite a while, I think a lot of people have been waiting for for quite a while, certainly the Falco team. Uh, that term sheet is being turned into uh, a full agreement, uh, and, and that's happening as we speak. Uh, I forget exactly when Luke said uh, he was guiding for that, but it's, it's pretty soon uh, in this quarter. Uh, so that's a huge step forward. The, uh, the pathway, I think, then becomes clearer. Happy that they tucked in a little bit of financing uh, from an equity perspective. Obviously, you know, just to move the asset forward to development capex, basically to permitting and development capex. Uh, we've shipped in, uh, didn't mention it because it was kind of a, a non-event, I guess, in my mind. We, we owe them $20 million in the near term. Uh, based on that agreement being finalized, uh, we're very happy with the progress they've already made on it. So uh, pre-funded 10 of it, uh, we have to do the next 10 when the agreement's finalized. Uh, and then the rest of our capital comes in uh, when it's uh, fully permitted and on uh, financing of the full project. So good advancement. Uh, I know it's something that people have been waiting for for quite some time. Uh, it was not easy work. Obviously, a lot of complexity there. Glencore is a massive group uh, to get their attention and, frankly, build the trust from a group like Falco because they probably didn't know what a Falco or a Cisco was a few years ago when things got started. I think we've come miles uh, from there. Uh, and the teams are working exceptionally well. So um, I don't know if I touched on all your, your questions there, but uh, but really good progress. Happy that they've got uh, some funding in the bank 
to push the asset forward from a growth perspective. Sorry, that might have been the last piece of your question. It's a big chunk for us. It's a massive stream. Uh, it's a lot of silver ounces that we get from that asset. It's 6 million ounces of reserves, gold equivalent. It's 9 to 10 million ounces of gold equivalent resources. It matters. Um, and hmm. so we don't exactly know the timeline. Financing will be a hurdle. But I think it's one of those assets that will have significant uh, support in Quebec. Uh, we've got our stream components that are, are there to be funded. Uh, and, uh, and I think it's one of those things that will be tough until it's done, but it's important uh, for us. And I think it's certainly worth building. Uh, and it'll have its, uh, its moment in the sun. Mm-hmm. Of Hopefully course, that does t- touch on on those on all your questions, Kazel. Yep, yep, it did. Um, maybe switching gears a little bit, as you mentioned, uh, you know, it's, I'm glad to see that as well. Uh, 10% increase in the dividends. Um, Sandeep, um, I'm just trying to take a step back. Are you targeting, you know, in terms of uh, capital return? Are you targeting any kind of percentage of your cash flow that you might want to return to investors? Is that how you look at, you know, potential further increases in dividends? Is that why you decided on the current increase uh, of 10% uh, on the current dividend? Mainly just throwing darts at the board. I was about to... <laughs> I, That's I good. Uh, no, no, obviously we, uh, we have a view internally as to the amount of, uh, of cash flow we want to redistribute to, to investors. Um, historically, I think you've heard me say that, you know, at times we were in the mid-30s. Uh, got as high as 40% payout ratio. Based this year with the previous to the, the bump, uh, and based on, you know, commodity price assumptions and analysis for this year, we were in the low 20s. So we bumped it up, uh, you know, uh, importantly. Um, you know, there's still room to go in the future. Obviously, we were a little skittish based on the last week here, but felt it was, you know, the business is still really strong, even at much lower gold prices. This is a very sustainable Dividend, but you know, with every anytime you change it, you want to make sure it's it's for forever because that's how we think about these things, and and certainly our business is able to do that. So, um, hopefully, people see it as what it is. It's a significant sign of confidence in our business, one that's working exceptionally well. And as those ounces start to to add to the the tally, uh, you know, distributing cash flow back to shareholders will continue to be uh, important for us. So we haven't, you know, we haven't um, communicated. Um, you know, a, a payout ratio or a mechanism for, for, for instance, but we certainly uh, think of that, think of that way internally and, and, uh, and that's the byproduct, the increase uh, yesterday was the byproduct of that. Mm-hmm. Great. And, and then that uh, leads into my last question here, Sandeep. Um, you know, in the broader picture of capital allocation, um, as you talked about, um, you know, clearly it's been a bit of a seller's market. However, with, you know, the, uh, recent malaise in the commodity prices. Are you seeing better opportunities in terms of uh, potential acquisitions? And then uh, on that as well, you know, I know you have different strategies. There's the incubator model. I don't think you mentioned that word today, but I think it's still there. And then there's also the more kind of traditional royalty acquisitions. Where are you seeing uh, more of these opportunities? Look, I think there's opportunities, uh, good questions. There, there are opportunities, you know, across the board. Um, certainly anyone with a royalty or a royalty portfolio has been, been either brought it to market or been thinking to, to bring it to market, uh, or has been inbound by, by, you know, all of us most likely. Uh, so I think, you know, positively, and look, I was maybe one of the first to say it was a seller's market last year and, and, and everyone else was saying the opposite. Uh, 
I think that, you know, you can judge what, what, what it looked like. Um, I think last year when the gold price was running so hard in the first half of the year, uh, it, you know, that, that dynamic trailed on into the end of the year. When you have gold prices more range bound and, and you have, you know, the risks of downs as, as well as ups, I think the dynamic is a little bit better this year in terms of getting deals done for, for us on the royalty and streaming side or for everyone on the royalty and streaming side. Um, so, uh, so I, I actually see the, the, the pipeline looking better than it did last year. So we're, we're optimistic about it, frankly. Uh, in terms of the incubator model or the accelerator model, still part of our business, an important part of our business. It's, you know, what it, what it generates for us is the early stage. So it continues to kind of, uh, you know, for small dollar investments, which we think are going to be, give us five and 10 baggers. It continues to populate the, the back end of the portfolio and, and, and see those things kind of evolve and mature. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was an important part, a more important part of the business when we were kind of starting out and needing to, uh, to kind of flesh out a portfolio. We now have one that's robust across the entire spectrum in terms of producing assets, near-term growth assets, and, and longer-dated uh, assets. So, um, so yeah, I think we're, we're continuing on that path. If we see good value there, we'll take it. Um, but obviously the, the focus is for all of us on near-term assets, things that can hit the bottom line sooner. Uh, and uh, and that's what we're out there looking for. If we don't do anything, you know, uh, we're fortunate that, you know, there was a number of companies that needed to catch up on growth spending. Uh, we weren't one of them. Uh, we had done a, quite a bit of it uh, leading up to 2020, so that growth is already embedded in the company. We can grow double digits for several years based on uh, not spending another dollar, but thankfully we are. We have found some smart things to invest in, and going forward, I think that will continue to be the case. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Andy. Those are all the questions I have. Thanks again. No problem, Cosmos. Thank you. As a reminder to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one. Your next question comes from Kerry Smith from Haywood Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Morning, Sandeep and Fred. Uh, Sandeep, could you maybe give me a bit of an update on what's happening at Renard? The diamond prices seem to have strengthened, and I'm just wondering what the strategy is there now. Sure. Morning, morning, Kerry. Uh, look, the strategy remains the same. It's uh, an asset that we we want to kind of work back our way to a, a positive paying stream uh, on. That's the that's the end goal. That hasn't changed. Uh, you're right, and, and I think you would have picked this up in, in our MDMA, that uh, pricing has continued to firm up, uh, not just for Renard, but in the diamond sector overall. Uh, Renard pre-COVID, excuse me, pre-COVID, uh, you know, in the $70 per, per carat range, uh, consistently had dipped down even lower, obviously in the, the worst of COVID when people can travel for sales, et cetera. Uh, we saw that firm up to kind of the $80 per carat level, uh, almost immediately post-COVID and then, uh, stay there for a little while. And now we've seen another couple bumps in the last sales. Uh, culminating in the last sale at uh, 93.50 a carat US. So happy with that uptick in prices. That's what that mine needs to be profitable. Um, and uh, you know, there's still still a stream, still some debt there, but happy that they're they're starting to make some cash flow and can start to work their way out of that situation. So positive momentum. Uh, need a little bit more, I would suspect, but but happy with that so far. And then thereafter, it's a question of you know uh, where's the right uh, what is the right structure for that asset to reside in? Uh, we're, you know, we're not a natural owner of it. We, we just want to get back from getting a paid stream. So that's something we continue to work on in terms of finding uh, the right solution for. 
And at ninety three fifty a carat, or well, say call it a hundred dollars a carat U.S. Would that be an adequate long term price to 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 reinstate the stream? Yeah, well, look, we're having those discussions as we speak. The good news is uh, they're making money. Uh, you know, is it enough? Probably not just yet, but they're they're making money at ninety three fifty. Uh, and you know, we've we've committed to deferring our. Uh, our stream proceeds into, I think it's April of 2022. Uh, so we're having those discussions as we speak, but certainly happy with the way things have gone and don't want to get too far ahead of myself because, uh, you know, we've, we've taken, we've taken it on the chin for that asset. I'd rather it be a positive when it well and truly is a positive, but, uh, really happy with the progress that's being made so far. Okay. Okay. That's good. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem. Your next question comes from Puneet Singh from IA Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Just a quick one for me. You're uh, clearly still trading at a discount to your peers. With the uh, volatility in the gold market, how are you looking at the uh, NCIB for the rest of the year? Thanks. Hi, Puneet. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, look, we still think we're, we're cheap as well, and I and, know. And just just say that I think we we legitimately have that view that we we've made good progress. The stock had done well to kind of get to the levels it was. Uh, you know, we saw a little bit of profit taking, which is normal when you're kind of hitting your 52 week and all time highs. Um, but uh, but clearly the last uh, the last week has been tough on all of us, especially tough on us. So we see a ton of value in our stock. We've uh, obviously in a blackout today. Uh, and have been for a little bit of time, but, uh, but we, we do like our stock. So, you know, we've, we've said we'll look at the NSIB when the stock gets really cheap. We didn't use it in Q2. Uh, the stock was doing quite nicely, so we didn't chase it up. But in, in situations like we're in now, uh, you know, you, you might expect us to be more active on that between the NSIB and the dividend. We certainly, uh, have and will continue to, uh, to, uh, to to get capital back or get cash back to uh, the shareholders. Okay, thanks, Andy. No problem. Thank you. We have no further questions. I would now like to turn the call back over to Mr. Sandeep Singh for any closing remarks. Great, thanks, operator. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. I think we've uh, we've gone through a pretty good update, so I won't keep you on for longer, but. Really happy with where things are going uh, and look forward to a strong second half of the year and uh, look forward to talking to you folks about it. So thanks for your time and have a great rest of your day. This concludes today's call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What does innovation sound like? 
It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com.